0: Welcome to Goodwill Talk. We're so glad you're here today. At Goodwill Talk, you'll get to know your pastors, hear answers to your questions, gain biblical perspective on things going on in the world, and most of all, grow in your love for Jesus and the Bible. Let's listen in to today's conversation.
1: Well, hello and welcome to this episode of Goodwill Talk. It is great to be with you. I am Pastor Marcus Ortega. I'm joined by Pastor John Torres and by Jess Kilduff, and we are diving in today uh, to a topic that actually, Jess, this was your idea. So what is the topic for the day?
0: Okay. Well, it wasn't my idea. Okay. I did come with it though. Um, yeah. I had put up on on one of the mom's the um, Moms Together Facebook page. Does anybody have anything that they'd like us to talk about? And first thing um, one of the moms said was missions. I want to know what the church does. I want to know how it works. I want you to talk about missions. So missions it is.
1: Missions it is. And so, John, um, why don't
2: we start with you telling us a little bit about just kind of, does Goodwill Church do missions? Yes, Goodwill Church does missions. Missions is a funny thing because when we started, we would have... You know, we sent $20 to Focus on the Family, uh, $20 to this organization, that organization, and it was a long, long list. Yeah. And, you know, every session meeting, somebody would come in, you know, my uh, my nephew is wanting to take a short-term mission trip and maybe turn that into a, a longer-term mission. And then there would be another item added. And it was just a hunt and peck. In who perpetuity. you know the, the philosophy was awash. We weren't doing What the denomination did, and there was apparently some pride in that. Like we have our own missions thing, which we (laughs) didn't. It was just, you know, here's a pile of stuff that we call missions, Uh, you know. So we've slowly uh, over the years, uh, you know, moved towards uh, consistency and supported the missions that are part of our denomination. Our denomination has a vital and and relevant uh, missions approach. And so we're happy with that. Helena Wolf is, was a huge part of that over Massive. many, many years. Yeah. They love her in the General Assembly. They really want her to be a part of running missions. Yeah, I do, too. Mission. And Helena,
1: if you're listening, really? just know. Where,
2: what are you doing, Helena? You, <laughs> you're going <laughs> to end up. Are you, what are you doing? Your name's getting just, put just, in there. Yeah. Just email Marcos and get back <laughs> on. There you go. That's happening. But
1: um, yeah, so, so missions was kind of this smorgasbord of things. There you go. Um, yeah. And then Helena Wolf was central in paring that down, and and uh, one of the funny things that we found apparently as we were paring it down, and and it's it's funny in a dark way. I'm sorry for this, but I find it funny. Um, One of the couples that we had been supporting in missions, um, when we reached out to let them know we weren't going to be able to support anymore, we found out they died, and we were still sending the money. And we're just (laughs) I didn't know there was a mission in heaven, you know. And that gives you, I think, a glimpse into just kind of some of the disarray of missions. And um, that's
2: part of missions in general. Missions has turned into a business. There's short-term missions trip companies. You can you know, get a catalog every year. I get, I see the catalog every year because somebody's interested in going and they feel really strong about it. And it is tourism a little bit. It's vacation-y. It's not quite missions. And it, it's really not good for true missionary work. Yeah,
1: I mean, when you talk to missionaries in the field, and ask how they th- what they feel about short-term missions, um, they all have a horror story, and very few have a, you know what, there was this group that came, and it just changed everything for us. <laughs> no. The vast majority are, oh, yeah, the short-term We're missions. We're going to paint people. the house
2: again. That's the fourth time this year that the yep. house will be painted, but yep. we need to give them something to do. Exactly. That's what they came for. That's what they paid for. <laughs>
1: So I mean um Jess have you ever done a missions trip is this something that's ever been uh, interesting to you
0: I have I went on a mission trip uh in the United States though we went to Ohio um a group from a church that I grew up in and um we'd been running a sports sports camp okay. and so they um needed kind of an up, an update of what they were doing with their summer um outreaches to the kids in their community and I think we went I think they went 3 years or two years in a row. And basically we just went in and and showed them what we did at our church, um, showed them kind of the organization, let everybody know that like yes it's basketball but you don't have to play basketball you just need to know how to like run between two mm-hmm. cones and like there's a place for you um and, and it, from what i heard like that church just continued to run that program after Ooh. we left it was just like a, a kind of going and setting it up getting the community excited about it and having it really organized from the beginning and then having the church be able to carry that on yeah um but that's all i've ever done i've never okay. gone like overseas um, okay. doing ministry
1: and then john you've made a couple of trips Right, and and you went with actually a partner of ours, right? Global, global leadership. leadership,
2: Martin Sanders uh, Ministry, and he, you know, he has invites to 99 different countries or something like that. You know, he always says, and it's a little different now during the this 2020 yeah. COVID 19 yeah. era. But uh, I went to Nigeria a couple times with him, uh, with the group, not with him, but with other members of the group to Ukraine and in Nigeria, we worked with pastors and governmental leaders. And really, just uh, worked with some of the idiosyncrasies of their culture at the time. Mm. Nigeria's been through a great deal since then. That was yeah. two thousand and seven, okay, and uh, two thousand and four. I think those are yeah. the two okay. years that I went.
1: Well, and and Nigeria now. I mean, if you read the news, it's 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 in a rough spot again, right? And so, um, just a brief aside. If you'd be you know praying for Nigeria because the our our brothers and sisters there need your prayers definitely. Um, but you know what's interesting is is one of the things that that I found when I got here, because um, m- missions was one of the things that just got handed to me when I got here. When I arrived at Goodwill, there was this there was this kind of hodgepodge of things. Or like these things aren't getting done, do them. <laughs>
2: it was a pile of paper. That's what missions was. <laughs> it really like was letters and yeah. forms and. And and
1: what what I was grateful for was that Helena had done so much work to pare down our missions that we were finally getting to a place where we were able to establish. A philosophy of missions, establish a vision, um, and Helena was central to making that happen, which is why um, the denomination loves her. She's been in, she's been in country before. She served in a foreign country for years, so she understands what it's like to be in the field. She also looks like lo- knows what it's like to be in a sending church and the importance of that relationship. Um, and so, you know, she was central to that. And now we have um, heading our missions group uh, that we call Goodwill Outreach. Um, that's Ted Barnett, who is a missionary kid, um, and he's lived in missions almost his whole life. Organizations will call him in as a consultant to talk about mission stuff, and so we've been blessed with two really thoughtful missions leaders yeah, over the last ten years um, that have helped us kind of create a philosophy and and build into that. And you guys can, I mean, so what I've become now here at Goodwill Church is I'm the I'm the lead pastor in Beacon. I'm also the pastor of outreach and missions. And, um, some of that is local outreach, social media, that kind of thing. But the, the larger chunk of those two is international, international missions, building those relationships. Um, but it's interesting cause I never thought I would do it. Like missions was never something on the radar for me. My wife always wanted to do new missions. I was like, yeah, have a good time. Right. But, um, but I've been on, I've been on a handful of trips now, but the, before I got to, um, the two that come to mind before I came to Goodwill, cause I've done the inter U S trips, um, and, and I'd done two international um, short-term missions trips. And one was like the typical youth trip. So we went, uh, I was in, I was living in Southeast Arizona. And so we went about eight hours south into Mexico. And it was kind of the, hey, can you paint that? Can you fix that? Can you play with some kids? That kind of a trip. Um, but what was interesting to me is um, we met up with a pastor on our way back out. And his ministry was to the American expats who had vacation homes in this area of Mexico. Wow. And so um, he takes us uh, by his house and you can see the satellite TV and and all that in the window. He takes us over, we can stay in his church. He takes us up to the roof of the church, which is a pretty nice American looking church. And we look off the roof and it's nothing but shacks. It was nothing but the, the, some of the worst poverty you can see. And I'm looking at this and just going, if this is missions, I'm out. It just felt so gross. I, I came back really angry at the idea of missions um, because that's what I thought missions was. and I think that's what a lot of people still think, Right, is that missions is um, sometimes Americans just kind of plopping themselves into another country, making themselves feel good, saying they're doing mission work and not actually getting anything done. And when I was 16, I saw that and it was, it was rough. Right. When you think of missions, John, and I'll get to the second trip that actually transformed my view of missions later, um, when you think of missions and, and some of the the ways, you mentioned like the, the touristy type of missions, right. or even missions organizations, why was it, do you think, that Goodwill just wasn't really interested in getting involved in some of that stuff?
2: I think it was common with a lot of churches, and the idea of missions wasn't... Uh, it just wasn't uh, current. You know, it, d- it didn't fit the reality of the mission field. It fit the, w- the margin of the domestic American church. Like, well, mm-hmm. we can do a little bit over here. Probably should put up a, a, a map and put some pins on the map, and we probably should have an offering, and we probably should invite one of these missionaries in, even though they're so boring. <laughs> we'll just have one come and just, and you know. And we used to sometimes give the service over. Yep. To a missionary, and that was just deadly because mm. now the service is awful, and the anybody who came is turned off to missions. Missions is just you know slow death. That's all that is. <laughs> so I don't want anything to yeah. do with this. It's boring. It doesn't seem relevant at all.
1: Do you remember the slideshow with the clicking thing? And then so I grew up in the church, right? So this is I remember this. I, a missionary was in. They always gave him the Sunday night service because they didn't want him to actually have the Sunday. Because Sunday night was smaller. But uh, in my family, we went both times. We were there for Sunday night, so I was there Sunday night. And it was a missionary. A missionary meant one of two things: either it was going to be some really, really, really good food afterwards, or it was going to be mind-numbingly boring. And so I don't even know what the projectors are called where it's like the cheese wheel of slides and yeah, you click yeah, them and they'd the go through. Slide
2: projector, right? Is yeah. that all it's called? Just yeah. slide projector?
1: Yeah, all yeah. right. So it's one of those. Yeah. And um, and they were, you know, you would kind of take Check. this wheel and yeah. you'd click it in there. Mm-hmm. And then when you were done, you'd unclick it. You could
2: it and see be over. the wheel go by. And I remember one time <laughs> they were done, like almost done with the wheel. He lifted it up. Second wheel. That's coming. what happened to me second second wheel. as a kid. No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> exactly... no. It was the worst because I thought we were finished. I mean, well, and you could... pictures of just people that we don't know.
1: I don't know. And or just a picture of a field. Yeah. You're like, I don't need to see that.
2: They like... grow this in this field. <laughs> like, oh.
1: When you're eight, it's murder. And, um, and that happened to me because you could smell the food. And I thought, oh, good. It's a good food one. And then he went to the second slide projector thing, right. and I out, cried in my seat at eight years old because <laughs> the missionary wouldn't stop talking. Um, I think people have a really...
2: Um, for, there, there
1: are a handful of folks in local churches who take missions very, very seriously.
2: They, 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 their heart beats quicker when they hear Absolutely. the word missions. And, and as, it, as it should.
1: It should. Right. I think the problem is the vast majority of other folks think of the slide wheels
0: yeah well and you think like it's a good thing it's, it's a good thing to do every we should be doing this but i don't it's good i don't want to be too, too, in, right, too right but i don't want to be too involved with it because and but, i don't yeah. want to know too much about it
1: because what they when they say we should be involved they really mean do. y'all folks like you few you should be involved and tell us about it and but not too
0: much about it <laughs> yes
1: absolutely because when you hold a missions night uh
0: you're not gonna get a whole lot of people I mean, coming out i come Thank you. When Portia does hers, because I love that's them. That's true. Yeah. Well, She's really good. Yeah.
2: Well, that's the key. We know her. You went to see, you went yeah. to Bosnia, yeah. uh, Marcos, so you you know it. Yeah, and so I've,
1: I've gotten to see the work on the ground, and, and one of the things that is, is kind of a goal, and neither year has it really worked out just because of, um, you know, this year, nothing really happened because of COVID, but... The goal is for to, to take two international trips a year. One to check in on a partner, and make sure that's going well, and the other to look towards the future of missions. Um, but last, you know, two years ago now, is in I was in Bosnia. Got to see the work on the ground, and it was it's exciting work that's happening. It's slow. It's it's difficult. It's really hard ground to be able to till, but it's important work. Porsche's given years and years to this work.
0: Well, and talk about what it looks like like in, in actual living it out because yeah. sometimes you think of missions and you just think of like old timey preachers and street corner, you know, Bible thumping. And, yeah. and that's really not, that's, that's not, not effective missions.
1: No. And I'll, and I'll share um, the second trip I had before I got here. And then I'll talk a little bit about Bosnia on the ground. Cause that's a, a totally different animal because what you, what you find is that to have a philosophy of missions, you have to be exceptionally flexible. Because each culture in each country, and the many cultures within a country, you're going to have to approach it differently every time. Because the ultimate goal is you want people to come to Christ. That's the number one goal of why we do missions. We want to see people fall in love with Jesus. Um, but it, you have to speak their cultural language to be able to do that. It's not just their their actual linguistic language. It's their cultural language you have to speak as well. So I learned that... Um, best on the second international trip I did. I was an adult at this point. I was serving at what is now a sister EPC church, and I I went with the pastor to Brazil. And they were looking at creating a church-to-church partnership with this Brazilian church. And they were looking between two churches, and I was there to kind of just help with the discernment process. Which church are we going to partner with? But immediately, we've changed the paradigm of missions. It wasn't about another organization. It wasn't about piggybacking on somebody else's trip. It was... Our local church is going to create a relationship with a local church in another country, and we're going to help each other for the good of the kingdom. And I'd never heard of missions being done that way before. And so I went down there. I got to know um, I got to know the leaders in this local church. I got to see the work they were doing. And my job was not to run things. It was just to help. They were the leaders. They, they're Brazilians. They know how to lead in Brazil. I don't. So it was a support role. It was a way of just encouraging and loving and learning from them. And then they would send a team to the U.S. and they would teach us when we got here. And then they would learn from us what it looks like to serve in the United States. It was a true partnership. And and I think what we are trying to do at Goodwill Church is develop now these long-term partnerships where it's not about, well, where are we doing a missions trip this year? It's we have a partner now. And now we can we can learn from that partner and grow from that partner, and that's become the heartbeat now of Goodwill uh, of Goodwill Outreach. It's about partnerships,
2: absolutely. And now we have this relationship with Andrew Brunson. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really a new day for missions. I think for for the EPC and for Goodwill Church, and I'm excited about it because I think it's it's necessary. It's a necessary part of our Christian walk, especially Christians here in the United States. So we have a lot we have the resources, we have the ability, you know, to, to do things, to make a difference uh, in other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And so that means we are to make a difference yes. in other parts of the world, and that's part of our Christian experience. And so I think, you know, if people are coming to Goodwill, uh, you know, I want them to go to Israel. You know, I want them yeah. to have that experience. That's, that's not a mission trip. That's, yeah. that's a pilgrimage. But I also want them to have a relationship with missions that involves them traveling, that involves them being on the ground because well, yeah. it's, it's not we're all missionaries and that's Amen. that's what yes. get lost is the, the missionary is that 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 person over here that you know comes once in a while to the church and then leaves and then yeah. we're just here we're the church but we're not missionaries like well that doesn't fit the definition of the church that we find in the Bible
1: absolutely and and I think I mean you mentioned right we have resources we can pay for things and I think the number one thing that we want to encourage people to pay for is plane tickets yeah go to the place because if, if missions is, hey, we have some money, we want to drop it in your lap, good luck. That's not missions, that's charity. Missions is how do we come alongside those partners who are doing long-term missions work? How do we support them? How do we encourage them? How do we love them in their work? It's a supporting role. And, and too often, we want to take the lead role and we end up bungling things because we don't know the culture. We don't know the language, right. and we mess things up. And if you talk to Portia, she'll give you some stories of some folks who have come in there and caused some problems. One relationship that she had had built over years got destroyed in a single conversation by somebody who didn't know the culture but uh. thought they could lead. It's destructive <laughs> when we come in and destroy things. And this is a person, she'd be building the relationship for one single reason. She wanted that woman to come to Christ. And when that relationship gets killed, by an outsider who comes in and just thinks they know better than the long-term missionary, it's devastating. So that's why you want long-term relationships with your partners in country. Um, And that's become the the heartbeat of what we're doing. We've targeted uh, a portion of the world. We're looking at unreached Muslim people groups. That's the denominations um, goal in missions. And so as a church, so listen, we're in a denomination. Their goal is our goal. Um, And we're gonna dive into this as well and so um there is a portion of the world that we've really focused on um andrew brunson's interview when he said that they're really looking at going into the balkans that that struck a nerve with us because we're already in the balkans one you know porsche's already serving the balkans we were already looking and having conversations about doing a prospecting trip into another country in the balkans so we're like you know what maybe this is where god's calling us because the balkans is an area of the country that is um, predominantly Muslim, um, is, is gone through, I mean, a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. There's a lot of need. And, and folks don't really think about the Balkans. You don't, you don't think of the former right. Yugoslavia when you right. think about where do we really need to send people. But one of the things that Portia has said is, man, we're seeing revival in countries like Iran because the church has been praying and praying and praying for the Middle East. We want that kind of prayer and effort in the Balkans. And I think goodwill might be, that might be what we're focused on now.
2: Yeah, it's exciting.
0: Oh, I like that. Yeah. So I remember Portia, when she first, first went, I think Pastor Jay led the service that like where we, we prayed for her and sent her off. And um, I remember part of, of his call to the people who went there was pick a place pray for her. So he's Mm. like, think of a place you drive every day. Well, now not everybody drives every day, but typically you drive every day. So, you know, think of a spot, a stop sign or uh, a traffic light that like every time you drive through there, that that's going to prompt you to pray for her on that day. Like I still know her stop sign. I moved and I don't drive by it anymore, but like I know Porsche's stop sign. And every time I randomly drive by it, I'm like, this is Porsche's stop sign. I should pray for Porsche. That's really cool.
1: So like I'm like, that. that would be
0: a good thing for people to like find yeah. a, a, a stop sign on your daily travels that like to remember to pray for the the missions of of Goodwill Church. Absolutely.
1: Well, and and Portia's story is kind of for me, it's it's the paradigm of what we're looking for for a missionary um, because I think we have this idea of missionaries who are the like the the hyper super Christian who can't do anything but talk about the gospel, um, and then you meet Portia and you go, oh.
0: She's a real person. That's just yeah, yeah that's like just she's somebody. cool and fun.
1: Well, and uh, John, I wonder if uh, tell the story a little bit about how Portia became a missionary because that's a strange little story. It doesn't seem to fit the so the paradigm.
2: She's, she's a young woman, and she comes to my office, and she just basically says, "I want to be a missionary," and I know where I'm called, and and, and I basically say, "No, <laughs> it's there, you got to go to school. You know, there's all kinds of preparation. You can't just say I want to be a missionary and go be a missionary." And she. You know, the conversation was, I mean, we had that conversation over and over again. And she stayed with it. Mm-hmm. She's, if, you, if you know Portia, you, you, you know, she's very, very sweet and very, very firm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, she, so and yeah. I enjoyed that. She enjoyed, you know, so we were able yeah. to talk a lot. And I started to see her put it together. And I started to see it come together. Because she, and she would, you know, because I would shoot down whatever could be shot down. And so, well, I got to fix that. Right, let me do this. Mm. Let me do that. And I think there were other people playing that same role in her life, her mom, uh, uh, among them. And she she had this call. She never questioned it, never denied it, followed it fully. Uh, Throughout, one of the characteristics of her service is her close walk with Jesus Christ. So if you talk to her about her life, she will talk to you about her life with God, mm-hmm. her life with Jesus, and that's still a part of what's happening for her. And she's getting to know people. She's she's learned this language. She's a leader. She sometimes has to serve as a pastor over there yeah. because the personnel are, are, are so uh, there's there's so few people mm-hmm. in service. She's had to deal with all kinds of difficult leaders. I'm I'm, oh, oh, I'm yeah. doing yeah. the quote, quotes the air, air quotes. quotes right now. Oh man, yeah, yeah. So uh, it it was a, it was a fun process watching her. It was it, it was neat seeing her come all the way into the EPC as an EPC sanctioned. Yeah. I don't even know what what they, what they call it. You know, missionary. And well, she's uh, the first black woman to be uh, to be a missionary. Out of and the EPC. that was one of our special moments yeah. with Rufus Smith. You know, mm-hmm. when he, uh, he he came and just gave her a big hug and said. I forget the words or they, they were like a, a dad speaking to a daughter. Yeah, you know, it was a beautiful moment was.
1: And and I think that one of the things that that's important for us to, to realize with Portia is that where where it comes to her longevity in the field, it is that that close walk with Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's what we're looking for in a partner. We're looking for somebody who really, really loves the Lord themselves, and it's out of the overflow of that that they want to tell others, and it's then then they want to build those relationships with people.
2: Yeah, there's no should in you know, like you mentioned before, a missionary. That's a good thing to do. You really should do that. Right. Good for you. I'll sit through this boring thing because that's I check the box, and <laughs> you know that's what Christians do. We sit yeah. through a lot of boring things, but we're supposed to. Yep. None of that. Nope. it's it, I love Jesus. I want to share this love. Part of my love for Jesus is that it's a love for Jesus, and mm-hmm. He cares about others. He wants to build His church. That's yes. what He does.
1: Well, and and effective missions is that that long obedience in the same direction that Eugene Peterson talks right. about. It's it's being willing to be there a long time.
2: Effective ministry across the board. Absolutely. That. That's a, that's the same thing as a pastor. It really is. You no. Know?
1: And and so she's been there now for about ten or so years and um, and you you ask, you know, what is it like on the ground? Well, where she's at, on the ground work is literally sitting down with folks and having coffee for hours. I mean, you get this little cup of if you've ever had Turkish coffee and it's like super concentrated and it's in a small cup, that's effectively <laughs> what you're getting in this country. And, and you're sitting there and you're you're sipping coffee, and they'll refill it for you. And um, I remember we went to one town to meet with a, a couple that she'd been working with for years. And um, we went in, they owned a restaurant, so they fed us. Um, and then I thought we were done because we'd had lunch. And then we went out to the porch and we had coffee. And then after coffee...
0: You had more coffee. We had more <laughs> coffee
1: and then a little bit of food. And we were there for about six hours in one spot, doing nothing but having a conversation. And, and guess what didn't happen? They didn't repent in sackcloth and ashes. There wasn't this massive epiphany moment
2: but, but you we, get slain in the spirit?
1: No, and, that didn't happen. You know, <laughs> I tried. I was no sitting there call? just, no, no none of that. But here's what happens. We get back in the car and she says, that was incredibly valuable. Thank you. Because that gets us this much closer to me being able to share the gospel with them. Because because well, the it's,
0: it's not sitting down with people and every single time you see them pounding them over the head with the gospel, it's forming a relationship with them. It's them seeing something different in you and wondering what that is. Mm-hmm. And, and then coming to you like, well, you know, in the midst of all of whatever, you know, they, they know you, so they know what's going yeah. on in your life. And for them to say, you've walked through this, how, okay, now, now is my opportunity because for five years they've been seeing, you know, God's faithfulness in my life.
1: Well, and, and it's also them being able to trust you because in this particular country where Porsche served, and we're not mentioning the name of the country because you don't mention the name of the country when you're talking missions, but, um, in this country, Christians are not trusted. And so she has to do all this work to just build the trust before she can share the gospel. It, that's where the cultural um, the, the cultural acuity really comes to play. You got to know where you are, and if you just come in and think that doing the street the street preaching thing you were talking about earlier, if you think that's going to be effective, well, you know it's not effective in most places. That's not how missions. I remember, um, you know, there's a, there's somebody in a in another church that I served at for a while. Um, they really loved doing doing missions, and for them, what that meant is they would go um, to a country and they had tennis balls, and they had tracts, and as they drove along, the kids would be excited to see it, so they would be running behind and they would throw out tennis balls and tracts, and that's how they were sharing the gospel. And I heard the story, and just was I
0: anybody just, ever saved?
1: Who is going to be saved by that? I mean... (laughs) The gospel's
2: not a sales
0: pitch. Listen, It's it's...
1: It's not. It's not. And look, the Lord may he can use whatever failed, oh, messed up thing we can do to lead people to Christ, right? But we also don't want to be morons about how we share yeah. Christ. And I'm sorry, but that's just not effective mission strategy. And, um, and so what we want to do as a local church is really think through carefully, how do we build these relationships? That's why we say no to 99 out of 100 requests for missions help. It's not because we're being jerks, it's because we want to be effective. It's because God has given us X amount of dollars and X amount of manpower to be able to do the work that needs to be done for the good of the kingdom. And if we start saying yes to everything, we end up with where we were 15, 20 years ago in missions. And so um, we have a couple of partners that we really, really care about. Um, We have the, the partnership with Portia. Um in the country that many of you know already, but we just don't want to put it out publicly on the air. Um, one country that we can talk about publicly is Guatemala, and we have a relationship down in Guatemala um, that has been built through our youth group for years. They've sent a handful of trips down there, and um, we're looking to strengthen that. And, and here's the value in the long-term partnership. When our partner down there um, was going through COVID, with his, I mean, doing this ministry, what happened in Guatemala during COVID was that their 50% malnutrition rate, childhood malnutrition rate, ballooned to 70%. Wow. And um, suddenly, wow. this guy who's doing a, an orphanage for special needs kids is now doing food delivery all over the place to all these different towns. And so they had to raise money for it. They didn't have money for it. And so we as a church spent two weeks. Raising funds for this. That's where a partnership comes from. Because if we don't have a partner in Guatemala, we can't help when the childhood malnutrition rate goes through the roof. Um, it's already high at 50. When you go to 70, I mean, it's hard to f- wrap your head around that. And Guatemala is not a country that's making the press. We know about it because we have a long term partnership in Guatemala. And that's why we are trying to be careful about grooming these long term um, partnerships. It's, you know, I, I had a conversation with somebody who served in a in a country nearby where we want to be um and and that was the first conversation that was about six months ago we haven't had another conversation yet because we want to be careful that we know who we're partnering with in this country like these are the slow moves and so i, I know there are people like why are not we doing more missions because i get that those are the emails i get right. it's why are we doing more why are we doing more because more doesn't often mean effective and it doesn't often mean good it's just more and that doesn't really help anybody right
2: that's that's important.
1: So we do the have we have um, another partner that does international theological education training. Um, we have uh, a partner, another partner in the Middle East who's also working with childhood education, and that partnership has been growing. And I'm looking to get out there and and take a small team out there of um, and a, a specific team, like unless they need construction workers in some missions, you do. Um, we're not going to take a bunch of construction workers. We're going to be taking Childhood education teachers and and experts who know how to help this particular mission um, that is serving a whole bunch of people who are predominantly refugees who have never heard the gospel before, but now they get into this place and now they're hearing the gospel, and we're getting the kids too, um, you know. So those are the kinds of things that we're interested in. That's what we're trying to do as a church. Um, John, as you think about kind of the future of missions at Goodwill and and where you want to see us go as a church, and what would be your dream for missions? For the church, because we, we know where we've been. Now we know where we are. What would you love to see happen in the future?
2: Well, well, everything you're describing, but the the piece that matters to me as a pastor is that we that we identify and support and train missionaries in our body mm. at Goodwill. Uh, that's yes. That's that's essential. And you know, we really only have one now. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, we've had a, a dozen pastors come and go. There's pastors all over the country now. Yeah. Uh, we've had other kind of Christian workers and 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 people uh, who've gone on to leadership positions or are, are here in leadership positions. And so I really am looking for these these people, young people, whatever. I mean, pastors aren't always young when they sure. when they absolutely discern a call. they're 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 into their lives a little bit. and I think that's the missing. it's yeah, Why isn't it a, a vocation? Why can't I present that as a vocation? Why can't that be a lane mm. for vocational development? Because it, everything rises and falls on leadership. You know, it's a it's an old uh, quote, but it's, it's it, truth. there's truth to it. Yeah. and uh, we need we need leadership. Yeah, and you know, like like Porsche. So where where are the new Porsches? Yeah, uh, are they here? Are they listening to this podcast? Mm-hmm. You know, please contact Marcos. Talk absolutely. To him. Let us pray with you. Just take a step. Uh, this is your life. You want it to matter. You want it to matter for Christ.
1: Well, and and there's a couple different um, kind of age group pockets that I think of when I think about the the, the missionaries. Because I, I have the same heart. I want to raise up missionaries out of this church. Um, so if you if you go to merge, and and you're a part of that pe- that that group of folks, y'all should be considering missions as where you want to be going next. Because we need missionaries. It's it's as important. So I know there's folks who come through merge and be like I want to be a pastor. Maybe, maybe I, I, you need I, to be I, missionary.
2: That, that's the thing, you know. A lot of them know that uh, the pastoral task isn't a match for me. Yeah, but I'm not finding anything to do with my life. I mean, I can get a job, and I guess I can have a family, and I guess I can just be here and do church stuff. But I, there's an emptiness, and you might be called. Yes. And and so I, you know, I don't know how we fix that. I think we're getting closer. Mm-hmm. I think. With Portia, with our relationship with Andrew Brunson, which yeah. I'm sure we're gonna, you know, do more with uh, yeah. soon, uh, that that's really gonna help. Absolutely. And maybe we'll, it, when he comes here in person, we'll make that a a, a feature. Yes. Like you, you're gonna have lunch or you're gonna have dinner with with Andrew Brunson, and uh, well, and and, and, and
1: and that's that's important for folks who are coming up who are younger or still trying to figure things out too many don't consider missions, one of their options. They feel like they're not qualified and I can guarantee you, you're not qualified.
0: No one's qualified. Yeah, Yeah.
1: (laughs) Being qualified is not the it's are you called to missionary work? The answer is yes, you are called where now it's where and how. Let's start asking those questions. Um, The second group is um, the second career folks, those who have just retired. if you, if you want your retirement to be hanging out at a beach somewhere, I'm not going to fault you for that. But I am going to ask the question, what do you want John the Piper last 20? Yeah, John Piper will come for you. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I'm going to let John Piper come for you. I'm going to ask the question, what do you want to do with the next 20, 30 years of your life? And do you want it to just be sitting by the beach? Or do you want to just give your life to the Lord fully and sit by a beach in heaven? Like, just give your life to this. There are a lot of people who are really bored after they retire. Well, when I was at GA uh, two years ago, we commissioned a couple to go to a country I can't name. They were in their mid 80s.
2: Wow. That's how you do it.
1: Listen, that's going out good. All right. They we, we, we bring all the missionaries up. They were we happy. Pray for them. They were thrilled. And they've been before. But they'd retired. They thought they were done until they found out that in this country that they'd been at before, um, there was a huge need. And they're like, we need people to go who understand the culture. And they're like, well, we understand the culture. We can go.
0: We're not doing anything else. Let's go.
2: You bring up a huge point too there. It's not just singles. It's couples. Absolutely. Andrew and Noreen are a a couple. So it's really the Brunson's. Mm -hmm. And that's what what we're going to have here. That's who we had when we interviewed them. We had both of them. Both of them. And both of them are part of that story. Yeah. It's, it's Daryl
1: and his wife as well is a right. part of this. It's Robbie and his wife is a part right. of it. They, they don't go alone. And so there's a there question. singles too. But. Yes. And, well, yeah, and Portia. Yeah, um, Elena. But I think also there's, there's the other piece of this. We've got to wrap this up soon. But um, the other piece of this is you're not going to be an effective missionary if all you do is go and preach the gospel. You need to go with, um, ordinarily, uh, some kind of a task, You know, so um, when you look at what is happening through one of our partners in the Middle East, they're doing um, early childhood development. That's how they got in. That's the only way they're able to be there. Um, So if you're if you're sitting there, yeah, but, you know, I'm not a missionary. I'm 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 a business strategist. Well, guess what? I can get you into a lot of countries that I can't get a missionary into. And you're able to do really effective mission work Absolutely. in those countries as a business strategist. And so there, there are a whole lot of reasons why not to go. The question is, why should you be going? What do you have that, that gets you to go? Because we can make excuses. But if you're in the middle of your career and you're like, I feel called, but I got to do this over here. Maybe you can do that in another country and be leading people to Christ yeah. there. Uh, maybe you're thinking, I'm retired now. Cool. What are you going to do in the next 20 years of your life? We're living longer and longer. So use the time. Um, and, and you know, I, I have this. This is a surprising question, Jess. But when you think of your, your kids, and I think about this with my kids, but I'm going to ask Jess. When you think of your kids, kids on a mission trip. Have you ever thought of doing something like that?
0: Sending my kids on a mission trip?
1: Maybe going with them. I don't know if oh. you put them on a plane to a foreign country See at you, eight. Bye. But yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, Maybe you mean you have going thought of that,
1: setting them out of the country? You, huh, you mean
0: going now <laughs> yeah. with them? Oh, I would. Yeah, I would go with them. I guess part of, you know, like you were talking about the short-term mission trips, and you know that they're just vacations where you go and like paint a house. Yeah. Right. You know how effective mm-hmm. of a mission trip could I go on yeah. with a seven and nine-year-olds who are,
1: sure, way ADHD. A sure.
0: <laughs> um, you know, I I I don't know, but I I mean, I would I would. Well, and I, I think, think that's would be fun.
1: I think that's one of the things that also happens. Well, I can't go while I have kids. Take your kids, right? Absolutely. Like you know, especially in a mission like in Guatemala, where you are working with other kids, take your kids and expose your kids early to the world of missions, and that's what's going to help create a mission heart in our children. Is if right. they go. That's why we send our youth. But I'd love to send families. I'm not going to like, hey, Enid, take a bunch of elementary <laughs> school kids <laughs> to Guatemala. I'm not going to do that. Empty. Yeah, but. but yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, families can go and and explore this and consider creating a mission-minded um, child who's already thinking about the world. And so um, we have a lot we can talk about with missions. I want to keep going with this conversation, but um, my producer is going to hit me with something if we do keep going. <laughs> um, but this is another, like we say this regularly, we're going to have to revisit this. Definitely. This is another thing we're going to revisit. We're going to talk more about missions. Thank you to the Moms Together group for the suggestion on that was good, and yeah yeah, thanks just for bringing it forward um we're looking forward to being back with you next week we are gonna we've been teasing for a while get to know more of your pastors we're actually going to start doing that soon so you can look out for some of those episodes upcoming so uh until then god bless thanks for being with us and we'll see you on the next episode of Good Will talk
0: thanks for listening we hope that this episode encouraged you to listen to more episodes or to give us that five-star rating Check us out at iTunes or Google Play. You can also listen on the Goodwill Church app. And for more information about Goodwill Church, visit us at goodwillchurch.org. See you again next time here at Goodwill Talk.